What will the product team do next? This question is frequently asked of product leaders and right behind it comes the question, why? Product leaders know that they'd better have pretty sound rationale to explain how they prioritize what to do next with the precious and expensive product and engineering teams who often face more wishes than they are able to grant. That is why the question, how do you prioritize, is the focus for this episode of Fearless Product Leadership. Welcome to the Fearless Product Leadership Podcast. This is the show for new product leaders seeking to increase their confidence and competence. In every episode, I ask experienced and thoughtful product leaders to share their strategies and tactics that have helped them tackle a tough responsibility of the product leader role. I love helping emerging product leaders shorten their learning curves to expedite their professional success with great products, teams, and stakeholder relationships. I'm your host and CEO of Fearless Product, Hope Gurion. Are you trying to align your product team and your leadership team on an agreed upon method for prioritization? In this episode of Fearless Product Leadership, I talked to five experienced product leaders working in B2C and B2B startup growth and mature companies, and they told me their favorite methods for prioritization. In it, you're going to learn the important distinction between prioritization and sequencing, and you'll learn about the critical importance of a North Star. Let's get right into it. In this episode, we'll hear from Stefan Radulian, Head of Product Management at Brainloop, a diligent company, Lauren Antonelli, Chief of Staff and former Head of Product at Evite, Brandon Anderson, VP of Product at Sports Engine, Rosie Ruley Atkins, VP of Product at Homebase, and Troy Anderson, Chief Product and Technology Officer at Spins. First up, we'll hear why Stefan Radulian tries to quantify value, opportunity cost, and then balance that against commitments and team size and skill as part of his prioritization methodology. So I know what does not work. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, setting priorities with gut feel is risky. Yeah. <laughs> Still, it may work for a while. While in a product life cycle, while you're so if you're onto something and uh, you know that this is something where you have to drill, yeah, where you have to go deeper, putting things into the right order, sometimes it's the logical order of how things have to be built. And then there's not no big opportunity costs to think about. So that's where gut feel or logical thinking uh, is, is enough. And then it becomes difficult because you have to think about opportunity costs. You have to think about how to maximize uh, the value of the backlog. And I think the best method... I, I have today is a scorecard. Having multiple criterias, balancing the criterias against each other, coming with some numerical quantifiable number that uh, you can put uh, on a story or on a feature and, and try to sort the things. This is just for your first order approximation of priority because then you have commitments and you have to deal with reality like teams and their skills. And I, and also it's important to differentiate. Actually, that's, an, in, that's a very important thing to realize that priority is not order. So the, the sequence that you, you do things should reflect as much as possible the priority that comes out by this scoring um, of features, but it will never be the same. 
and we'll, you will never be able to just deliver your stories according to the priorities. I never seen that working actually. <laughs> so maybe there is, uh, but uh, I, I never saw that working. Yeah. So yeah, so the scorecard would be my best uh, instrument at the moment. I'm not sure if that's uh, the best one, but it's the best I know of. Next, Lauren Antonelli explains some of the prioritization strategies that they've tried at Evite and the critical importance of a North Star to guide the prioritization of the product teams. What I've realized over the years, there's two different ways to look at prioritization. There's the business prioritization for for the company as a whole. And then there are day-to-day product manager prioritizations that you have to make. I like to sort of divide them between business being prioritization and the product managers being more sequencing, which are are subtle differences, but I think they're important. And and here's why. So at Evite, we set strategic priorities for the year. Those are set from the top. Those are set from Victor. Um, They are not necessarily specific to moving a metric, but moving an area of the business, which is nice because it gives us freedom as product managers and as a company to fill in the way to get there. So he sets the North Star every year and we set the plan to get to that North Star. So what we did this year under my new role was we had a bottoms up project brainstorm where we allowed everyone in the company to sort of pitch the projects that would go under those strategic priorities. So the North Star is set by the business, by the CEO, but we as a team can talk about how to move those KPIs. Um, Once those came in and were presented, the senior team actually prioritized which projects we would work on for Q1 and Q2. And I purposely did it for half year, and that's sort of my annual roadmap. I don't believe in annual roadmaps. I think when I think about what my product theory is or product management theory, it's like the first thing I don't believe in is an annual roadmap. Because what you learn in the beginning of the year changes everything that you're going to do at the end of the year anyway. So how many years do we have to keep redoing this ridiculous thing? It's another question aside. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I commit to six months. Six months is enough because you can do big projects. You can do little ones and you can learn something in six months. You could probably even learn something in a quarter, really. Try to give people a little bit more time so they don't feel too tight. We decided which priority projects we would work on. There's three projects under each strategic priority. So there's 15 projects, medium-sized things that we're working on throughout the company. So from the finance team to the product team to the development team, and everyone has um, sub-team priorities that fit under there. So for example, if we're launching a new product, um, data team has to be able to tag what it needs to happen. The finance team needs to be able to process the revenue that goes with that new product. Like, so there's all kinds of things where you can really see what your day-to-day work fits into the bigger goal. So when it comes to a cut line for prioritization, it actually makes things really easy. We're working on these things and these things alone. So if it's not on this list, we're not working on it. So it does cut the what about if we did X sort of stuff. But then, okay, we still have 15 projects and you still have to prioritize within them. There are three that are about the business today and there are two strategic priorities that are about the business tomorrow. The business today, those three, take priority over the other two. So there we have a little bit more. Um, And from there, we have to sequence. So prioritization is more of the, like I said, in my opinion, a company-wide view of what's important. Sequencing has all kinds of other factors, right? That's where the product managers get to play Tetris with the developers, right? So you're balancing impact and feasibility. Um, You don't always want to do the highest impact and and easiest 
things to do because then you're never going to get big, giant boulders through the system. So when it comes to prioritization, figuring out if these are the things that we're focusing on, and there's a lot of them, what things are small, medium, and large, and how do we make sure that we get the large started early and fill in, you know, rocks and sand to the rest of the sprint. Um, So instead of putting the prioritization on the PMs, we put the sequencing on the PMs. So we take off the load of pressure of what is most important. Um, I've worked at Evite for a long time. And back in the day, product managers had to sort of decide what was most important. And it became sort of what stakeholder was the loudest Mm. or the last to talk to us. And then their stuff got done. It was never prioritized from a business perspective. So again, when I think about great high-performing organizations moving in the same direction, it's because that direction is set from the top in a big way. And um, when I talk to product leaders who don't have a North Star, so much of their time is doing that sort of CEO level prioritization, in my opinion. Um, So it's no wonder they can't get stuff down or they can't move the needle because they're too busy sort of doing the job above them, in my opinion. Next, Brandon Anderson shares why it's a cross-functional team effort to set the priorities at Sports Engine. How we prioritize is something that's evolving pretty dramatically. I came from e-commerce where we we led a system of prioritization that we went in and force-ranked everything. So it was just a disaster beforehand. Got everybody's requests into one basically spreadsheet. Eventually, it moved into a product management tool that we use. We force-ranked it. We forced everybody to sit down with kind of the guidance that let's rank this based off of the overall value to the company, not taking level of effort into consideration. And that's a big change for people to get their head around. And the reason that we did that was to ensure that we have the North Star. Do we know what is the most important thing in our organization? Is that our North Star? Is that something that might take two or three years for us to get to? Yeah, it might take two or three years of concerted effort to deliver something like that. But if we think it's the number one value, let's find our way to that place. So really did a force ranking, no level of effort. That has to go hand in hand with a roadmap. How do you deliver? When are you delivering things? Sometimes you're going to be working on number two, number 20, and number 48, right, in your list. And you have to be able to tell a cogent story as to why that makes sense right? And what are the trade-offs that you're making? Why aren't you working on number one, right? If that's in your product team, right? Or your your group. The other thing that I found has to come with that kind of prioritization process is that the teams have to carve out operational capacity outside of that. So those end up being the big strategic things that are multi-week, multi-months, multi-year. You still have the day-to-day operations improving your product, right? It's not a project-based organization. You're a product organization. So it's you have to carve out, depending on what your product team is, some operational capacity there. That is the first stuff to go if the team is not doing their jobs extremely well and running it a tight ship, right? So they all of a sudden start to bleed that out. They starve the product. They work on the shiny new thing. And then all of a sudden, months later, you're wondering why you have churn on your customer base. So that's how I've done it. When I brought it over to my new company, which is a product-based company, uh, it was great to bring everybody in because this is cross-functionally. People are agreeing to the prioritization. So people can't say, oh, you you like this idea better. And so you just did, you did this guy's idea or, or whatever it might be. You're not playing favorites if everybody's together. So we started there. What I found is people were 
really looking for our team to be the thought leaders. Our team was uh, becoming very senior in the space. And so we have we have started to move slightly away from that, where the teams are feeding their own queue. Um, they're putting out their annual goals. They understand what the big things are they're going to move towards. And they're publishing out, this is what's going to happen. Now, they're not, you know, they're not dictatorships. They sometimes, you know, get things that are inserted from myself or the CEO or our leadership team or an acquisition that comes in. And so, um, you know, what we want to do in those positions is make sure they understand the context on why that's important for their product and that they come to an agreement of, of that it is. And maybe they don't. Sometimes they don't always agree. Um, but, you know, you just have to work through those one off. So I'd say on our journey to more autonomous teams, we're trying to also more autonomously control our prioritization. Next, we hear from Rosie Ruley Atkins at Homebase, who uses measurement of impact and effort to make several small investments and then see which are paying off to justify further investment. It goes back to this process that as we're pursuing these different ideas, and each team has their own ideas that they're pursuing, um, we can understand TAM, and that, that's probably the first lens, what's going to have the biggest impact because we're trying to grow as quickly as possible, right? And growth in both customer base and revenue. So it's nice to, be, to know what the, what the overarching goal is for the company. We're at a size where it's simple, everybody's got the same revenue and growth goals. Um, once we do that, prioritization becomes a much simpler question because based on the research we did, we can right-size a solution because we're not saying yet we want to grow the TAM by 10% or by the customer base by a certain number. We're saying, we believe that we can do it using this. What can we build that we can learn the right way to do it. And so we tend to build high quality, smaller things first and launch them, maybe test them or launch them and look at them against a benchmark we had and then say, okay, now this thing is really working well. This one, not so much. Let's invest a lot more in that. And so when we're looking ahead to you know, what we're building, we're building on what we may have built two months ago and that thing was a winner we'll build more and invest more into it while we're also building something that we can learn from again. So it's this learn and iterate cycle that makes it so easy. And I think that for us, the the biggest win on this has been that we can get to know and nobody feels bad. There's very little investment. You might have 10 customer conversations and be like, it's a non-starter. Finally, Troy Anderson explains how for him, prioritization is a function of hypotheses and optionality. What is my favorite method of prioritization? I would say, you know, um, if you really have a good rubric or hypothesis of, of how your business is solving, it becomes pretty easy to say what is going to be the biggest rock in the river. And if you're not familiar with that uh, analogy, it's like if a ship's coming into a river and there's rocks in the river, the size of the ship that you can get in is, is only uh, going to get in if the largest rock is removed. And once that largest rock is removed, then the next largest chip that can come in has to remove the next largest one. And so it's pretty easy if you have a hypothesis, but the key is you don't ever have the right hypothesis. So as you as you go along and you're prioritizing, you might have a good model for exactly what it is you think is the highest rock in the river. Um, but as you start to go into the channel and you, you bump into it, you're like, oh, you know, this, we need to change the hypothesis. We need to change the model. That said, you can't have your model like moving all over the place because you're like flitting from place to place. 
Um, so hopefully you've come up with something a little bit more long term. But then on the priority side, you know, always try and try to solve for something with more options, right? So if one option is, you know, we're going to get this and we're going to get 10, whereas this, we might get three, we might get seven, we might get 12. That's usually the better option because then the uncertainty has more opportunity to settle itself. So I'm a big fan of options um, and treating things as options. So when you're prioritizing, think about what opportunity there is to pivot from that particular thing as opposed to going laser focused. Now, as your business evolves and uncertainty declines, then those more sure bets that um, have less uncertainty are going to be your better bets. But from our priority model, you want to understand where your uncertainty is and how it works. Product leaders know all too well the importance of aligning on priorities. The product leaders that I coach are often coming from a place where the leadership team simply has not aligned on the North Star and the product teams do not have clear goals. That is one of the most important things that I work with them to establish. I quickly work with the product leader and the leadership team to recognize the reality of where they are and to establish that North Star and priorities so that they can set meaningful goals for their product teams and evaluate the trade-offs between different possible investments. Fearless product leaders know that meaningful, agreed-upon goals is fundamental to the success of the product leader to navigate prioritization and resource allocation discussions. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fearless Product Leadership. If you know a new product leader who would find this advice helpful, please let them know about this podcast. You can find me, Hope Gurion, on LinkedIn and Twitter, or subscribe to Fearless Product Leadership on your favorite podcast platform to be notified of new episodes. You will find transcripts, video versions of each episode, as well as more information on my Fearless Product coaching and consulting services by visiting my website, fearless-product.com. Fearless Product. Confidence through evidence.